What's love got to do with it? Or have the Nets drummed up interest from Drummond? What moves can the Nets realistically make to surround the big three? We'll go through some of them coming up next. We'll also chat with a diehard Nets fan, a longtime WFAN radio host. It's the co-host of Carton and Roberts. Evan Roberts joins the show. All that plus Lil Young versus Jay Swizzy in a rap battle on episode six of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. A New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, former Nets great Kerry Kittles. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Kerry underscore Kittles 30 and at Robin Lundberg. New episodes of the show come out Wednesday afternoons. WFAN host and diehard Nets fan Evan Roberts will join us later in the show. We'll also have a rap battle coming between myself, Little Young, and someone called Jay Swizzy. But first, uh, Kerry, when you, you talk about the, the Brooklyn Nets, one thing I, I've said as of late is they're finding out, and I think Nets fans are finding out kind of what it's like to root for a LeBron James team. You know, Le- LeBron is now past the point, I think, where anybody can get hysterical over anything that happens one game or one possession. But the Nets are that new team there since the addition of Harden, where the reactions either way are, are, are just going to be mass hysteria. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's just so much excitement around the NBA to, to see how these three uh, work themselves out together. Um, you know, as, as you said last week, they're just uh, prolific scorers. Um, they draw a lot of attention from the, from the other teams. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a new, it's a new team right now. And that's a lot of adjustments to make, um, particularly on the defensive end of the court. A lot of adjustments to be made. But, yes, a lot of excitement. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Adjustments and additions. We'll get to those in just a second. But first, you know, the big addition was, was James Harden. And last time we talked, it was before the, the Scary Hours debut. Since then, I think – He's, you know, he and Kyrie's fit has sort of been the, the, the topic of conversation and Harden, particularly the, the way he's played, you know, he's taken a back seat and facilitated a little bit before taking over in, in the fourth quarter the other day against the Heat. What do you make of the way James Harden is playing right now? Yeah, I, I think he's, he's doing his best at trying to be a team player and, and at, at fault sometimes when not trying to be as aggressive scoring the ball. We know that. He is definitely a, a, a top three player in the league scoring the ball. And so the Nets have given him the opportunity of handling the ball more, of trying to be more of a distributor, more of a playmaker. I, I think sometimes he's just kind of hesitant to, in order to pick and choose when to, when to be aggressive. We did see him in the last game against the Heat really take over offensively with, with his scoring ability. So that's going to be something that he's going to have to adjust to. You know, one guy you don't have to worry about taking shots is Kyrie. Like Kyrie, you know, he, he's not going to fall back. He, his, his default mode, I think, is to go for it. But, you know, I don't really think it's a big – I see a lot of Nets fans talking about Harden needs to be more aggressive. I really don't think it's a big deal. You know, in, in fact, if I'm referencing Le- LeBron, you know, James – 
Harden here is doing sort of what he does at times. You know, LeBron teams start uh, poorly in game ones of series, I think oftentimes because he's figuring out and, and assessing what's going on on the floor. And I think that's kind of what Harden is trying to do here. I don't really believe that when we're looking down the line, we're going to be going, oh, you know, James Harden needs to drive more. James Harden needs to shoot more. I, I think he'll, he'll take care of that aspect. I agree with you. I, I, I think so. And, and also, as the season progresses, you'll see his scoring start to incrementally go up. You'll start to see his body get into better shape. He's playing. <laughs> you, mean, you mean he's not in 100% condition or whatever? No, nah, not right now. <laughs> not right now. I, I would definitely say that he, uh, he has a way to go in that area, uh, trimming down some of that weight. But uh, yes, you know he'll he'll figure out the team of what they need from him and and when to choose uh, to score and um, I, I think he'll figure out. He's a smart, intelligent player and he's a great playmaker. I mean, the guy can get 10, 15 assists on any given night. Yeah, and you know, obviously, it, it didn't start off so well. The, those losses to the Cavs, they bounced back uh, against the Heat, who were a, a decimated team. But a Bam Adebayo is, is continuing to feast in those games. Basically, any big man. Who, who sees the the nets they're on the menu right they're, they're food so um when it comes to the the issues the glaring issues that people talk about defensively the need for a big how much of an emergency situation do you think that is it's it's kind of an emergency situation if you're trying to win the title this year to try to figure out that that big position whether it's deandre jordan continuing to play big minutes and they're going to rely on him going forward uh jeff green we've we've seen play the five and they, they put kevin durant at the five or do you bring in someone else to help out and and uh trim the league down at that spot so defensively i mean listen they're they're at the bottom of the league and giving up points at the bottom of the league and second chance points they're at the bottom of the league and everything defensively <laughs> that we could think of so they have to figure out what to do with those last few roster spots and um the, the five position is definitely one one to uh, speak about it started from the bottom now we're here right you know uh, jeff green to me is the uh, I, I want to give him a shout out because he's the best center on the team. I think when you're not talking about traditional big man, but when you're talking about just winning time, that lineup, their, their closing lineup, I think has been the best thing that I've seen in the game since all these guys debuted. When they when they go out with Green, Durant, uh, Harden, Harris, and, and Kyrie, I think they they they're switchable defensively with that team. I, I think they, they have good movement with that team. And, and obviously, they're they're really hard to guard with that unit. I mean, a 16-0 run against the Heat. Yeah, uh, offensively, you got no, no problem for me having Jeff Green at the five. But defensively, right, I think who are you going to put on Embiid? Who are you going to put on Jokic? Who are you going to put on Anthony Davis? That's going to be a tough thing for the Nets to, to deal with some of those better teams that have bigs. Uh, we'll see when the Clippers come in town next week. They have uh, Serge Ibaka at the five. So that is something that, that the Nets will have to consider, uh, whether they want to continue to go with small ball or will DeAndre Jordan be the answer uh, long term. But I still think it's something that they have to uh, deal with. Well, yeah, I mean, DeAndre Jordan has actually played relatively well, I, I think more so than how harsh people have been. But he's not the, like, sixth or seventh best player on the title team, right? Uh, so er, maybe at this point in his career, and, and I still have some questions about him defensively at times not getting out on, on three-point shooters. I believe that that closing five may remain the same all season. But when it goes to the, the rotation, you, you trust the big three. I think you, you obviously trust Harris. I, I trust Jordan to be in that rotation. I, I trust Bruce Brown to be in that rotation, and, and I trust Jeff Green. That's still a very thin team. So 
Let's look at the names that, that we've heard mentioned. I'll start with the thing that was uh, um, circulating around the internet earlier this week, and that was Kevin Love. That makes absolutely no sense to me. I, first of all, I, I don't know what the origins of the, the report are. You know, they're not from Woj or, or Shams. You know, it's not exactly a, a reputable thing that was substantiated in other places. Then you got the, the deal that Kevin Love's on, which would mean you'd either have to trade the whole team or, or Joe Harris in order to make it happen, unless he was bought out or something. So to me, the, the Kevin Love uh, issue is a non-story. I agree with you. It's, it's a non-story. I, I don't think the Nets are really going to go after him. Definitely in a, in a trade scenario, who are you going to trade, right? So in order for them to pull off that move, it would have to be in, in a buyout situation where he would agree to getting bought out and, and maybe taking a supplemental um, pay cut from the Nets. So I think Kevin Love is out. I, I, I think um, moving forward, JaVale McGee is another name that's been mentioned um, on, on the table as a possible addition to the team if he were to, were to get a buyout situation. And I, and I think he would be a better fit for the, for the Nets with playing somewhat similar to the, to the fro. Uh, with his length and changing shots around the rim and definitely finishing with all the dunks and stuff like that. So I would uh, hope the Nets would try to pursue JaVale McGee. You know, I, I agree he'd be a better fit, but here's my thing with JaVale McGee. I watched a lot of the Lakers last year. They didn't reach their full potential until he was benched. You know, like he he in 10 to 15 minutes a night, maybe, is fine. But, you know, the idea of JaVale McGee as a rim protector and all that stuff is good. But, you know, I think there's a reason he's bounced around the league. There's a reason he's not playing so much now. There's a reason the, the Lakers, you know, went to Dwight Howard and then AD at the five. So I, I don't think, you know, th this idea that JaVale McGee is going to come in and, and change the fortunes overall is true. No, it's just 15 minutes. That's all they really need. 10 to 15 minutes coming in, uh, give some effort, clean up some of the boards, help them in that area, or put a body on some of the bigs that they're going to play against in the East. So, I mean, we're not, he's not the savior, but I think for 10 or 15 minutes, he's definitely a guy that they, they should consider. Just guys, for reference, Kevin Love has two years, 60 million left. The deal in the trade machine machine that would work like you said robin you'd have to pretty much trade the whole team dinwiddie jordan brown and shamit would work but you're giving away too many guys and then drummond would just be a buyout situation and the thing with drummond that everyone talks about is he has to change his game he can't be the guy that holds the ball in the paint for for 20 seconds and then puts up a bad shot we've seen some you know clown reels of andre drummond where he has some of the worst possessions you've ever seen so he has to change his game to work for this team well look I, I would not make that you can ask Shamit if you want but i would i would, I would uh, not make that deal otherwise you know the one thing that's made up for Shamit being trading a first round pick for him has been jeff green on the, the the league minimum when you're coming to valuable guys and the the bruce brown trade as well he's been really good i i love the idea of andre drummond i i love it look youtube clips do not make a whole career and there may have been a, a point in time where Drummond was overrated, but we're not at that point in time where he is right now because no one's putting him at that level. In fact, it's difficult for the, the Cavs to even construct a trade for him. It's amazing all these guys are on the Cavs, by the way, <laughs> that we're talking about. But Andre Drummond, we know he rebounds. We know he's a big presence. And what I found really interesting, Kerry, is after uh, the, the Nets lost to the Cavs, Kyrie put up that Instagram post where he said, you know, don't worry, we're going to be on the main stage and, and all that. One of the first comments was from Andre Drummond, who wrote facts. And the athletic, um, Zach Harper, the athletic reported that um, the, the Nets are, are, are waiting for a, a Drummond buyout and, and that they expect that it actually could happen and he would choose the Brooklyn Nets. When we're talking about expectations, I think if you can add Drummond to this team, all of a sudden, I, I go from, all right, making the, the finals as a possibility to go, oh, maybe you can have the, the championship roster. Yes. I mean, the, the, the addition of Drummond would be 
you know, uh, the Nets will be in a really great position if they can pull that off. Uh, that was, the, you know, for Kyrie to uh, put that out there on a the tweet, that was interesting, you know, to kind of read in between the lines there and then him, for him to respond like that. So maybe there was some conversation behind closed doors. But, yes, I mean, Drummond, uh, he brings a different dimension to the game of basketball. 6'10 guy, he's big, he's a great rebounder. And and, and all these players who were mentioning are going to come to the Nets, they're all going to adjust their games to fit in with the Nets already have. And so he wouldn't be looking to take that many shots, obviously just cleaning up the boards and, and getting some offensive rebounds. But yes, I think he would be a good guy to go up against Embiid, to go up against some of the other bigs that they have to face in the East. And when, when I say YouTube clips do not make a, you know, a whole uh, you know, uh, career, remember James Harden was infamous for these defensive lapses on YouTube. And, and I actually think he's turned himself into a solid defender overall. And I think he's played defense very well with the Nets uh, thus far. What do you think of that? He, he's given more effort, definitely, with the Nets. I I, I think it's, it's early right now to, to decide uh, his defensive uh, effort. I think... Um, the, the, the biggest thing that I'm just not seeing from the Nets defensively is just the hustle plays to the loose balls, the 50-50 balls, uh, defensive rebounding. That's just all effort. Harden is one of those guys who can probably mix it up a little bit more on that end. But to give him some credit, he's definitely giving more effort than he did when he was with the Rockets. Now, they also did make an acquisition, uh, you know, because some of these moves have to be made on the margins. I mean, when you look at what, what Sean Marks has done, I mean, it's not like Dinwiddie or Harris were considered big prospects when they became who they did for the Nets. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly how you, you pronounce his last name, Norvell Pell or Pelle. Uh, but he, I mean, I've seen a little bit of him with Philadelphia. He was stuck behind Embiid and uh, Horford there. And didn't really get that many minutes. And from what I've read, one thing he definitely does is, is block shots. He blocks shots at a, a really high clip um, and, and he can catch some lobs. Now, look, there's a reason he hasn't been on an NBA team, but sometimes, Kerry Wright, it's about opportunities. There are more than 450 really excellent basketball players in the world. There's just not that many spots in the league. Yeah, you're right about that. And and I think his name is Pele pronounced, but um, I watched some of his clips as well. Great defender around the rim, challenging shots. Um, you know, I think he led the league over in, in Italy when he played over a couple of years ago, uh, blocking shots. So that's all they really need is someone that can block shots and rebound and, and, and get a few dunks here and there. They don't really need some, you know, stretch five that's banging in threes and being a playmaker. They have enough on all, on the offensive end. They need a big body that can bang against the other bigs and just help them clean up some boards and they'll be fine. And a lot of times it's about the bench unit. The bench unit is what's getting killed out there. And, and you know, you look at um, Kyrie, Harden, and Durant are the top three leading scorers in the league in the fourth quarter. Uh, Joel Embiid is number four, but those guys are the top three. So I, I like the Nets' chances. In, in in any close game. I mean, obviously, going forward, you're talking about heavyweights like the Lakers who have proven themselves. That's a whole different story. But just in general, you know, in, in a close game with that closing five I mentioned and with those that that big three and, and Harris as, as a shooter uh, and Jeff Green's versatility, I, I'm not worried, uh, you know, about them losing a bunch of close games. I, I think, in, in fact, they could they could pull away late against teams. Yes, you're right about that. And we just saw that in the last game against Miami, right? They were going back and forth that entire game. And, and all of a sudden, you know, who gets hot is, is, is hard, right? He picks up his offense. They, those three guys have the ability to dominate games. They have the ability to, like, just take over with their scoring prowess. And so um, closing out games, that won't be a problem on the offensive. And I just think defensively the Nets have some issues there. And, guys, speaking of the three big three, the NBA has just announced all-star voting will begin 
tomorrow at noon, that's Thursday, and conclude February 16th. Starters will be announced February 18th and reserves February 23rd, but the league hasn't announced an actual game yet, but it does seem like there, we didn't think there would be, but there will be uh, an All-Star weekend. All three of those guys should be starters on the All-Star team. Mm-hmm. If not, starters definitely on the roster. Scary hours. I mean, yeah, scary hours at the All-Star. I mean, uh, there's a lot of scary hours All-Star weekend. Though, Jake, I, I know I saw you in Chicago. Uh, and that feels like eons ago. I mean, it, we were touching people. It was weird. It was like I was next to Rudy Gobert. Two weeks later, he's got COVID. I mean, what world was that when we were in Chicago? Yeah, I'm down on the court interviewing Common after the dunk contest. I talked to Anthony Davis that weekend. I actually, you know, I talked to Charles Barkley, Shaq, Giannis, all, all these guys. Uh, and now I can only talk to people on Zoom. I'm pretty sure I, I informed the internet that Kawhi Leonard had a baby because a video I, I took went viral and it was Kawhi holding up a kid. And everyone's like, oh my God, Kawhi's like has a soft side and has a baby. I, I let the world know he's got a kid, I guess. But all that star power is now in Brooklyn. The, the Nets have the Hawks tonight, uh, the Thunder on Friday. And Kerry mentioned it before, the Clippers coming up next. We'll give you some bars here on Full Court on Flatbush. All right, folks, buckle up. It's time for the rap battle you've all been waiting for. It's my co-host, Robin Lumberg, a.k.a. Lil Young, going up against our producer, Jake Brown, a.k.a. Jay Swizzy. Lil Young is on off the top, so we'll start with him. Take it away, Lil Young. All right, where's my beat? Where's, where's, the, where's the track? Come on, producer. I know you're getting your rap ready, but, <laughs> but, but give, me the, give me the music. Where, where's it at? All right, here we go. Uh, uh. If I'm not number one, I'm at least part of the big three. Here to be on the main stage where the Kyrie's IG. My rap's so tough, they can harden any squad. And there's yet another reason to listen to Full Court on Flatbush Pod. And don't worry, I can handle any hate, cause just like the Nets, I don't need no love. I'm Joe Harris with the bars, when I let the shots go, prepare for a flood. Don't ever get it twisted and think I got nothing left. I'm a veteran worth way more than the minimum, Uncle Jeff. But I'm not green if you need it spelled out in black and white. I wait for a challenge, I can do this all night. The Brooklyn Nets are MCs, I need to be feared. Oh, and I'm still waiting, I might grow out my beard. Grab beats of drums like rebounds for drumming. I don't think you realize the beast that you summon. Jake Brown's a clown, I'll get him out of town. Got to drop this fool like a few extra pounds. Oh! Oh! oh. That, that was nice. We that need the nice. evaluation first. Let's get Kerry's thoughts on, on Lil Young's rap. That, that was nice. I mean, he's he's getting polished. It's not his first go around, so it's not his debut like yours. So and it is off so the top. I, it is a freestyle. I did write something, so he does have that going. So I loved it. That was pretty savage at times. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, just be fair. You give me a heads up. So I am. It's not like it. Some of that's completely off the dome, but some of it is. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it before I get on. It wasn't just cold. But most of that was off the top, so credit to you, Lil Young. I'm going to give you uh, 8.7 on that. I'll give you an 8.7. I, I think there were times you added a little too many words in there and jumbled it, but your references were good, Nets references, so there you go, 8.7. All right, let's, let's hear what you got. All right, Lil Young, not too shabby. But now let's bring in our dad bod, bald-headed producer, Jake Brown, a.k.a. Jay Swizzy, as he makes a full court on Flatbush rap debut. Take it away, Jay Swizzy. It's Jay Swizzy, full court on Flatbush podcast. Let's get it. Uh, 
I'm a Queens boy, but my mama hails from Brooklyn. Me and Kerry Ball, but the fro, Cleveland took him. That's okay, though, because it's time you fear the beard. The Nets got a big three. It's about to get weird. Katie Kyrie and an MVP with Harden. The bodysuit removed. We just getting started. The departed like Liam. Now this could be a movie. DJ slamming it down. It's time we get groovy. Kyrie might have left. Might have lost a lot of cash. But all is okay when your coach is Steve Nash. He got bashed, but he's back. And he's better than never. Lil Young topping me. Psh, yeah, never. Duran is not human. And man, he's so lean. For just two million bucks, the Nets stole Jeff Green. I am white but can't shoot, so I am not Joe Harris. Thanks for all you did. Speedy recovery to Karis. Bonjour, monsieur. I speak French. You didn't know? Bilingual in these streets. Timothée, Luwalu, Cabarro. Co-host drill threes. Kittles, comma, carry. The Rooks off to the G League. Reggie Perry. Jay Swizzy, my alter ego. Call me a clown. I'll lock you down on D like Bruce Brown. Frowns upside down. These Nets got superpowers. It's time for me to go. It's getting late. Scary hours. Bars. Woo! That was pretty fire, Jake. I would agree with that. I would agree that was real fire. I like I like all the uh, references you brought in. A lot of the Nets players, you know, you, the, the ball head kiddos. I, I like that. I mean, it was uh, it was a tough act. I, I you know, it's tough to choose between the two of you guys. I mean, I like the TLC part, but you know, if you're gonna go up with me uh, against me with cat in the hat raps, it's gonna be a problem. Your raps is elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins? Who let, let's Carrie and Sarah, you guys decide who's the winner. I'm putting there's a little there's a few things I'm taking into consideration. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Robin. Uh, <laughs> Carrie, show your bald man some love here. Come on. I mean, I, I like the rap. I like how you went to the little French thing too, you know, the little bilingual thing there, but I, I, I agree with Sarah. Robin Robin probably has it. He has this one. Uh. All right, Robin. Well, I'll, I'll get you next time. Uh, but uh, there it is, part one of this. Yeah, next part, time it'll hey, be look, a battle. Even the even the Cavs beat the Nets every now and again. So you got yeah, a shot. There you go. We welcome now into the show co-host of Carton and Roberts, two to seven p.m. on WFAN in New York. He's also got a Saturday show, ten to one on the Fan, and host of the Evan roberts podcast he's a diehard nets fan it is evan roberts and evan you know your nets fandom is, is a bit of a story right because i saw when the the harden trade went down uh, you weren't exactly the the biggest fan in the moment of that deal uh how you feel now and, and how has your fandom evolved in rooting for this particular team well listen you you gotta understand you know this right when a trade first goes down or a free agency signing first goes down as a diehard fan we have an emotional response but usually our emotional response can be by ourselves we're in a room by ourselves i say it to my kid or to my wife i happen to be on the radio so that was problem number one that all my honest feelings in the moment you know finding out who was traded finding out how many freaking draft picks they moved. All of that had to occur live on the radio. So, yeah, my initial reaction was I was less than thrilled. But I think a part of it was I've grown to love Jared Allen. I've grown to love Paris LeVert, and I am still scarred over the Billy King trade from a few years ago. With that said, <laughs> I don't have a choice, man. I mean, like, I want the Nets to win. I'm a diehard fan. I may hate a trade, but I'd rather be wrong and happy than right and miserable. So. It's been a few weeks. I've loved James's attitude. Uh, I've even loved, to a degree, his kind of approach he's taken, which is almost, look, I don't want to rock the boat here. I'm not going to take 30 shots a game. I'm not going to dribble, 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 dribble. So I'm slowly getting used to it. I have not flip-flopped. 
me just say that. I still wouldn't have made the trade, but I have certainly warmed up to it. And let's go James Harden. He's my boy now. Let's go. Speaking of James Harden, I was wondering you know, what you were saying about his style of play. And, and I'm wondering how much of that had to do with your, your disdain for the, for the initial trade when uh, you look at how he played in, in, in Houston in particular, the ISO ball, right? Just, just you know, the selfish, the selfish kind of play, looking to get, looking to get points and not necessarily caring about, about winning. How much of that was, was uh, impacting your, your disdain for the trade? Well, let me just say this, Gary. If they traded you, even if it was for an all-star player, I would have had the same reaction. That would have been like, come on. I've watched Harry Kittle since he's drafted. I've watched him grow. I've watched him develop. I would have had that same problem. I want you to know that that emotion I have as a Net fan, it would have been the exact same way if they pulled off a trade like that, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I think his style of play impacted a little bit. But you know what's funny, man? Even though I hated his style of play as a basketball fan, I was never, even though I may have expressed this on the air, I think it's a part of the uh, irrational emotion you have, I don't think I was ever really concerned that his style would match. Because I, I always figured, look, the guy's forcing his way out for a reason. The guy wants to come to Brooklyn for a reason. He's going to change his style of play. So you know what I think it was? I think it was the Jared Allen factor, which I know was exposed the two times they faced him, kind of losing that that guy who's developed over the last couple of years. He's gotten so much better as a rim protector. He can run the floor. He's young. He's getting better and better. He's clearly better than DeAndre Jordan. So I saw the weakness that it was going to create on the roster. And then the draft pick aspect, I think, also added to my anger because I really felt he's going to work. Like, that, that wasn't even my biggest concern. So, like, I never enjoyed his style of play, but I also figured if he's joining Kyrie and KD, he's not going to play that same kind of way. Now, I know you said you wouldn't have done the trade. I would because Harden's arguably a top three player in the game. But I get your sentiment, which is basically that um, what you watched be built up, what you were rooting for is kind of gone with, with Joe Harris being the, the last remnant maybe and in, in Dinwiddie was out. Yeah, I think it's... A part of that is that, the emotional attachment you grow to players. But you know what the other thinking is, and I know it shouldn't be, because if they win an NBA championship, none of this matters. It's also long-term. Like, I've always thought, ever since they signed KD and Kyrie, all right, they've got a chance to win a title over the next few years, but what happens after that? What happens after either the guys decide to leave or KD retires? What happens? And trading Levert and trading Allen kind of creates this, they better win in the next two years because what does this team look like after those guys are gone? And not having the draft assets, not having the young talent you develop. And look, I admit, if they win an NBA championship, none of that matters. You win an NBA title, I'm not going to care as much about what happens in 2025. So I think it's partially learning to love this team, watching this team grow, enjoying what they did in 2019, but also what does the future look like? And what I enjoyed that they were able to pull off, but that the Clippers and Lakers weren't, is that they had a championship window, but kept all their assets. You know, the Clippers had to give up all their picks for Paul George, the Lakers for Anthony Davis. And so they had a great current, a great present, and a great future. And that was the other thing that kind of factored in into why I was nervous about it. But I get how great James Harden is, and I get the point. Hey, you got three elite players. This gives you an excellent chance to win a title. But I think that's the other factor that's certainly been on my mind. Yeah, there's one other thing I, I want to get into about your fandom because Kerry is is a great guy, but but kind of a low key guy. And, and I just want you know, as a Nets fan, obviously you love him. I just like to hear you praise Kerry so he can feel a little awkward. <laughs> you know, we talk about watching a team develop, watching a team become a championship contender. 
the face of that happening with Kerry Kittle, let's be honest, when you think about the transition from the late 90s under John Calipari, the one good year essentially, then falling backwards to losing 50 games to the Jason Kidd trade. And obviously Jason Kidd deserves a ton of credit for what he accomplished. Thank you, Jason Kidd. But Kerry was a key part of that turnaround. And he bridged the, I think things are turning around in 1998, to, wait a second, they're not, to becoming a legitimate finals contender. And that's what made getting to the finals in 02 that special. Because you got to look into the eyes of a guy like Kerry Kittles who saw so much of the bad in New Jersey and got to see the very good. Does that work? Are you a little uncomfortable now, Kerry, with me uh, saying all this stuff? Very uncomfortable, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some good times back in the day. Oh, yes. And and getting back to the pressure of the current Nets team, I mean, you spoke about um, winning now, and and you just had a conversation with Sean Marks recently. How much much pressure do you think that he's under trying to put together a roster right now to support this team? And then also the pressures of making sure that those guys actually to re-sign when they're free agents because, quite frankly, if they don't sign extensions, that's going to be a disaster for the Nets. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the pressure is on to kind of fix the holes that this roster has, which I think are obvious. And I think he's going to have a chance to do it in the buyout market. So I think the pressure is incredibly high on Sean. This is no longer a cute little story. This is no longer, hey, we're the fun Nets like 2019. They got to win, and they got to win big. I mean, anything short of getting to the NBA Finals, I'll tell you, would be a disaster. If they're not in the NBA Finals, this season would feel like a disaster. So without any assurances that these guys are going to resign, you've got this year and you've got next year. Yeah, I think that keeping Harden, keeping Durant, keeping Kyrie past the life of this contract, life of these contracts is incredibly important because even though they'll be a little bit older, Harden's going to be in his mid-30s. Kevin Durant does not look like he's slowing down. And I tell you, that's been the best part of this season. Watching KD every day is a joy. And it's amazing to think how much time he's missed. So, yeah, I think there's two bits of pressure. A, to win now, and then B, to keep this window open. And if you can keep Harden and Durant and Kyrie past this contract expiring when they have their opt-outs, at least the window remains open. Doesn't mean they're going to win titles, but, you know, they be contenders. And I think both of those things are insanely important for Sean Marks. You know, Evan, I, I've got a background in New York sports radio, and the Nets really weren't a topic for, for much of that time. Now they're clearly a massive national topic, the biggest national topic in, in the NBA right now. Uh, you're, you're doing the show every day on WFAN, primetime afternoon drive, you know, in New York City. Where are the Nets as far as the, the New York zeitgeist right now? It's weird. You know what's going on right now? You know how in New York, when the Yankees are on a run, you've got 70% or 60% of the town loving that the Yankees are on a run, and then you've got the Met fans that hate on them. You've got the Met fans that just can't stand the Yankees. So the Yankees have everybody interested, but it's about 60, 40, 70, 30 on positive versus negative. What I've noticed is that the Nets are relevant. People care about the Nets, but almost every Knicks fan now hates us, despises us. They look at us as evil. So the Nets are talked about in this town, and the Net fans are excited, and there are certainly more Net fans. There are certainly, you know, those that have said, hey, the Nets are exciting. I'm going to go root for them. But the majority of this town hates us. We're the evil team. And I got to admit, there is something kind of cool about it. I'm not saying this in a negative way. The Knicks fan used to say as a taunt to me, probably to you, you guys are irrelevant. Nobody cares. Boy, yawn. Oh, they care now. The problem is they hate now. 
So they care and they hate. So the Nets have become a very relevant team in New York, but a good portion of this town is rooting very passionately against them. And as this bill, you know, and as the Knicks kind of morph back to what they are, and that is a non-playoff team, we all know that, and as the Nets continue to march towards the postseason, I think that vitriol is going to grow and grow and grow, and it is going to be a very interesting spring and summer in this town. It makes you want to throw on one of those Nets World Order shirts? Yes, 100%. <laughs> yes, I love being the heel. It's kind of fun. So, And, and talking about the Nets and thinking about uh, the, the, the big three, uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on, the, on the stuff with Kyrie, obviously uh, missing two weeks of the team and for personal reasons and the communication back and forth or lack thereof? Uh, with the with the management and and definitely with the fan base who was all concerned and wondering what's going on with Kyrie, you know why why is he out and what are your thoughts on on, on Kyrie's absence and 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 now coming back and seeing him play a couple of games uh, with with Harden in the lineup? Well, it, it's twofold. Like as a human being, I care about Kyrie Irving, so if he is dealing with personal issues, I have some semblance of compassion, as much of a diehard fan as I am. So that part of me certainly worries about him, and I want him to be okay. With all that said, there is another worry that you have as a fan that can you rely on him? Like, is he going to be around when you need him? Is something going to happen in April, May, and June where Kyrie disappears and doesn't communicate with his teammates and his general manager and his head coach? It came across when Kyrie disappeared like the team was out of touch with what was going on. Not necessarily his teammates. I think Karis LeVert said he texted him and KD said they prayed for him. But Steve Nash acted like he had no idea what was going on. Sean Marks wasn't clear about what was going on. So I think that's the worry we have as fans at the back of our minds. Like, will this happen again? Will Kyrie just disappear when you need him the most? The one thing you can't question about Kyrie as much as people try to is him as a player. I mean, the guy is outstanding. He misses two weeks. It looked like he didn't miss a beat. And other than just kind of figuring out the chemistry between him and James Harden specifically, and obviously the three as a whole, he's a hell of a player. But the question always has been with Kyrie a, can he stay healthy, which so far, let me knock on some wood, he's been healthy, and then also, can you rely on him? So that's the fear I have. With that said, I mean, I want the guy to be all right. I mean, as a human being, you're always concerned if something is going on in, in one's personal life, but there's no doubt in the back of my mind, I think in the back of a lot of Net fans' minds, there's that worry of, can we rely on Kyrie Irving being there when it matters? You know, Kyrie, you're right. I mean, he might be as skilled as anyone who's ever played. You mentioned the chemistry, and I think that goes more for Kyrie and Harden than anybody else because Durant fits in in any situation. But that's not, you know, unique to basketball. Kerry and I developing chemistry as we do this podcast. Obviously, you're in a very high-profile show right now every day in the afternoon in New York. Where do you think your chemistry is at with the Carton and Roberts show? You know what? It's the same as basketball players. Every day it feels more comfortable. And that's why, like, for basketball teams, for the Nets in general, the more time they're on the floor together, the better. And that's exactly how I felt with Craig. I've always known Craig because he did mornings, I did midday, so we knew each other. But there's a big difference between knowing each other, saying about 12 words in the hall, and then doing a whole radio show together. So I think that every show that goes by, I know personally I feel a little bit more comfortable. So it is oddly the same as basketball like that's the same thing that's going to happen with these three guys and you're right specifically Harden and Kyrie Irving every day it's going to feel more comfortable there are days in which it works better than other days but every day you start to kind of get in a rhythm and that's how I feel because I've done I guess it's three months now of shows and the way I feel today I certainly feel a hell of a lot more comfortable working with them than I did 
you know, when it first started. So every day it feels better and better. Hey, Evan, it's Jake here, and I can attest, Carton Roberts is awesome. I always have loved Carton. I used to cover and help out at, you know, most of his charity events back in the day, and, you know, love him or hate him, he's awesome. You know, he adds electricity to the airwaves and a special kind of talent that really isn't out there. And uh, I think uh, if you don't listen to it, definitely listen to Carton Roberts. We have a couple of interesting things in common, Evan, that – you started at WGBB, where I started, where you I was paying for airtime, essentially, on a Sunday night show. You did a show uh, on WGBB, and you co-hosted a show with my former podcast co-host, Scoop B, in Net Slammin' Planet back in the day. Can you, can you talk about those the origin of WGBB and Net Slammin' Planet with Scoop B? Oh, my God. When uh, when I was at WGBB, I was a kid. Like, I, I always listened to WFN, and I would imitate it at home. That's why it's still surreal that I worked there. So I would basically imitate a show. So I hosted a, a kid's sports show that had a sponsor, and that was basically it. I did, like, a Friday night sports show. I think I, I'm trying to remember how long I did it. It's tough to recall. It's been so long, but maybe for a year or so. And, it, and the funniest part is I think it happened during the baseball strike. So. So here I am, I'm getting to talk sports as a, you know, however old I was, a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, and then all of a sudden baseball disappears. But yeah, I, I hosted a Nets show, this must have been in like 99 or so, and we would talk about the New Jersey Nets, and Scoopy's become a superstar now. Guy breaks uh, NBA stories all the time, so he's he's gone on to a great place. So yeah, that's uh, some of my experiences and learning how to do a sports talk show back in the day now one more thing on, on the nets evan um because it, you did mention the the buyout market is, is there any of the names that's been thrown that have been thrown around that that really catch your fancy i mean to me the dream scenario is andre drummond yes well you know what's funny man i when they first made the trade and i look at okay well cleveland's got a lot of bigs right now there's no way they're keeping andre Drummond. they're not keeping him next year they're not going to extend him and what can they trade him for? And that's the, the thing I keep battling with. When you look at the amount of money he makes, is there going to be a team that could match up with Cleveland where they deal him? And it doesn't feel realistic. Like, nothing jumps out at me on how they can trade Andre Drummond. So then realistically you say, all right, well, it benefits everybody for them to buy him out. Especially because, let's face it, Jared Allen's the future of that team at the center position. The guy should play 35 minutes a night. He should not be coming off the bench. So Drummond feels oddly realistic but he is definitely the dream candidate I mean look there are some others Javon McGee is in the same situation I think makes sense but Andre Drummond on a lot of levels is like that dream pickup and when you just try to be fair about it I'm trying to be fair about it and you think okay well where could he be traded to and what could Cleveland get back that would warrant making a trade like that nothing really feels realistic so look I wish they would be able to buy him out as soon as possible but that's the dream scenario and one thing I've learned as a Nets fan over the last two years, it's not crazy to dream. I mean, they ended up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? So, and look, if you wanted James Harden, James Harden too. So, Andre Drummond is clearly, I'm totally with you, the number one guy on that list. Well, you can dream and, and dream big. Evan Roberts living out his dream, going from WGBB to where he's at now. I think they call that a glow up. He's the co-host of Carton and Roberts, 2 to 7 p.m., on WFAN, also host of the Evan Roberts podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, Evan Roberts WFAN. Evan, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The next stop is Barclays Center. Flatbush Avenue. 
That wraps up episode six, the Kenyon Martin edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review, please. We appreciate your support all season long. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday. Enjoy the next week of Nets games. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay safe.